0: Get ready to hear some noise tonight. You're about to go behind enemy lines with the original Blues Hockey Podcast.
1: Let's go Blues Radio. That's right, you are listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. This is season eight, episode three, franchise episode number one eighty-nine, the third episode of the Behind Enemy Line series, which has dominated the summer blues podcast. Um, that's right. We're talking to you, Jason Martin, Chris Frank, Jamie Rivers, Darren Kimball, uh Two Guys No Cup Fellers, uh the Drop yeah i'm dominating this beyond checker Hill. you know i'm gonna i can't remember them all there's so many blues podcasts but we're the only one that matters right yeah, let's go blues radio that's the way to go i love you all uh thanks to the wild and free for the use of their song fire uh good stuff always and i uh, did change it up a little bit this week with the clips but uh Same idea, same song, so good stuff. Uh, Thanks to the Wild and Free local musicians. Make sure you check them out. Uh, Look them up on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, check out one of their shows, Support Local Music. I cannot stress that enough. Also, support your local podcasts. Check out the letsgoblues.com shop and consider buying a reasonably priced shirt, mug, or sticker. All proceeds go back into the show. Uh, please subscribe to our show also on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen at letsgobluesradio.com. And uh, if you are on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating. If you don't mind, that would help us out a ton. Uh, that's how people find other podcasts is by ratings, by people uh, just saying, hey, these these guys are good. Check them out. Um, but obviously, don't agree with the five star. Just give us a rating. Any ratings will do. Uh, for one thing, if you don't like the show, this will help us improve. Uh, that's the way to let us know. Actually, you could just email us at radioatletsgoblues.com because uh, yeah, we don't want no we don't want no negative ratings, folks. Uh, before we get into the show, uh, I'm going to bet that there's going to be a live show coming here soon, within the next couple weeks, with. Uh, free agency starting next week. And then also, uh, with the big congratulations to head coach chief Craig Brubee, he gets a, a three year extension. So I'm sure Blues Land already knew that, but exciting stuff. So I'm sure Kurt and Bill are going to want to weigh in on that and weigh in on everything that's probably going to happen in the next week or so. And uh, so I would imagine we're going to have another live show here soon. But don't worry, that is not going to derail the Behind Enemy line shows. We're just going to have so much content this summer, it's crazy. Um, but hopefully nobody's complaining about that. I'm sure you're used to the next segment, and hopefully you're enjoying it. I, again, I am I'm enjoying it. I think it's a lot of fun to be reading these emails from fans. Uh, we are going to keep the party going. Now, this segment is where you, the fans, or the listeners, fans of the Blues, uh, you get to email into to us, let us know how the Stanley Cup championship affected you personally, um, how long you've waited, anything along those lines, anything you want to talk about to, to voice how excited you are about what happened recently with our Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. It's been such a big deal, and it's been fun Getting to uh, know some of you by your emails, letting us know your love for hockey, how far it goes, and uh, just just how much this meant to you. So uh, we are going to continue that right now. If you would like to uh, participate in this segment, we've got a couple people uh, also lined up. There's a fair amount of you actually, but as I said, I need thirty of them. So uh, if you would like to share, um, we would love to read your emails. Radio at Let'sGoBlues.com. Just email us there. Uh, let us know. Like I said, i got 30 shows this summer. So I want to fill uh, all 30 episodes with uh, uh, something from you, the listener. This one comes from Chris in Southeast Missouri. Chris says, Hey guys, my name is Chris. Long-time listener, first-time emailer, all that. My story for what... This Stanley Cup means to me starts with my father. He was always a diehard Blues fan, introducing me to the team when I was a child, and through thick and thin, loved his team. He was born in East St. Louis and started his family in the Metro East before we moved to Southeast Missouri. But even with the drive, he never stopped caring about the Blues. My mom was involved in a terrible car accident, and I remember sitting with him in the waiting room at the hospital watching Blues games the next few years. My brother died in action in Iraq in 2006, and we fell apart as a result. Well, we talked about sports still, and the blues were always a topic. I graduated college and also at my college with Bernie Federko's son. Dad left me at my own graduation to introduce himself and was like a kid when he came back. He was so excited. Dad was diagnosed with cancer last fall, and we almost lost him over the holidays. I came home to see him between Christmas and New Year's, and he started going into remission when the Blues started winning. I don't think he went into remission because of the Blues, but they were definitely tied together in my mind. Dad beat cancer. Yes, officially. And on June 12th, a couple weeks before he turned 66, he watched his Blues win the Stanley Cup. For someone who loves his father and whose father introduced him to the Blues, and whose father still loves his hometown team, this means more to me than anyone on the team will ever know. This was the best present I could ever hope to give him, and I know he's as happy as I am about it. So that's my story. I love the Blues because they gave my father, a long-suffering fan, the best early birthday present and you-beat-cancer present that I could ever ask for. I hope to tell this story for the rest of my life when people ask me what the Blues mean to me. Thanks for reading. Sincerely, Chris, Chris, that's awesome. Um, Again, I I hate to to bring this up so much, but anyone listens to the show, know how uh, uh, leukemia research has become such a big part of my life. I lost my father to leukemia in 2015, so this uh, this one touches very close to home for me. Uh, My father unfortunately did not beat it like yours, but uh, I am a big blues fan because of him. Um, So uh, winning was an emotional thing for me. I know I mentioned it on the show that this was something we waited for. Dad and I were, you know, he took me to all the playoff games when I was a kid. Um, Just something we waited for, and and he told me at a very young age, um, you know, don't ever expect the Blues to win it because they're not going to. Uh, So it was nice to to prove him wrong. The Blues were actually able to win this, and he was obviously very heavy on my mind when the Blues won this. So kind of the reason I wanted to start this Keep the Party Going uh, segment because uh, just a reminder to us that uh, there's a lot of fans here that 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 missed this. They weren't around for this. They haven't. They're not able to enjoy this with us. So let's enjoy it for them because uh, this was uh, this was such a, a great thing to happen for our city and such a great thing to happen for the long-standing fans. So uh, as I've said before, uh, I I'm glad they want it. In my lifetime, uh, they want it in my son's lifetime, so that's check that one off the list. And then um, I know that uh, somehow, if there is an afterlife, uh, my father was able to witness this as well because it was something he waited for his entire life. So let's uh, let's lift those spirits a little bit. Uh, as I said, let's keep the party going, right? I mean let's let's get excited. Uh, on this episode, we introduce uh, Joey. From the Brave the Wild podcast, he's a longtime fan of Minnesota hockey. And yes, he was around during the infamous North Stars days. So he remembers a lot of those crazy battles between the Blues and North Stars, which we do talk about. And then obviously uh, recent playoff history, as well as a couple players that played for both teams, like Pavel Dimitra. So, uh, yeah, we recorded this recently, actually. This was recorded just a couple days ago on uh, June 25th. So uh, we do talk about the Blues Championship. So those of you who have enjoyed the, uh, the last two episodes of people saying, oh, yeah, you know, it would be nice if the Blues ever won the Cup, uh, you're not going to hear that this time. So uh, be ready for that. But, uh, yes, Joey from the Brave the Wild podcast up next. Today we are talking Minnesota Wild with Joey from the Brave the Wild podcast. And uh, we will get to Joey here in a minute. First, let's talk about the all-time meetings between the Blues and the Minnesota Wild. Uh, 74 games played between these two division rivals. 34 wins for the Blues, 27 losses, uh, 5 ties, and 8 overtime losses. Uh, So the first meeting between these two teams Was on October 13th, 2000, versus the, or that was in St. Louis versus the Wild. Uh, The Blues won that one two to nothing. Brent Johnson's first career start and his first career shutout. Uh, And then Alexander Havanov for the Blues also scored his first career goal. And I remember that one very well because uh, he scored an empty net and he threw his gloves off, threw his stick in the air like he had just won the Stanley Cup. And uh, uh, Blues announcer Ken Wilson, I remember at the time, uh, had a good call on it. He said, by the time this makes it back to his native Russia, uh, it's going to sound like he deked through two guys and then put a top shelf on a goalie. So beautiful stuff. Uh, I think that clip should be somewhere on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Uh, Very fun stuff. But uh, obviously the Minnesota Wild, uh, there was a, a franchise there before the wild and that was the north stars so we're going to talk a little bit about them we'll talk about them as well on the dallas star show when they moved but i want to give them their credit here because uh, we're with the minnesota wild guy who knows a little bit about the north stars history uh so let's bring in our guest right now joey from the brave the wild podcast joey thanks for joining the show today
0: and thank you jeff it's a pleasure to be on board i love talking hockey
1: yes yes uh any kind of hockey is good for me especially in uh June, you know, for, for us and, and I know obviously the blues the blues are Stanley Cup champs and uh uh that's a nice feeling, but but I know that for most people outside of Boston, outside of St. Louis, uh they they're they're starving for hockey talk right now because they uh they've their team's been out since April or May or early June. And uh yeah, it's just uh anything I can do to to continue the conversation into the summer of hockey I will do it. And it sounds like you're on board with that as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's just, I'm just starving for it. And of course it's been a, it's been a very early exit. Uh, We've had six play, uh, six straight playoff appearances that weren't all that great. We had one that was, you know, one or two where we advanced, but then of course we ran into the, our fellow division rival that kind (laughs) of chopped us down pretty quick,
1: unfortunately.
0: But uh, yeah, we've been starving for something, June, May, anything beyond April.
1: Um, if we could sit here all day and talk about any bad blood between the Blues and the Wild, or or St. Louis and and uh, Minnesota hockey fans, but uh, really, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that uh, nobody likes the Chicago Blackhawks.
0: Exactly, no n- nobody does. Especially when they're when they're winning Stanley Cups, it's pretty sickening to watch. But, yeah, I mean, they they started finally getting it again. I mean, I was happy for them the first time only because the the drought ended because it was like, wow, the Blackhawks actually won the Stanley Cup. And then it's like, okay, yeah, you can stop
1: any time now. Yeah, (laughs) yep, they kept winning. I I was the same way. I was happy for them. Uh, You know, I got some friends that are Blackhawks fans and had stuck through the rough years, and it was just kind of like, man, I feel for you. I hope eventually you'll get to see a a cup championship in your day. And they won, and it was, okay, good, okay, no, never win another one. And then they went and won two more (laughs) in the next four years or whatever it was, and... Okay, mm-hmm. you guys can stop now. And uh, you know, hopefully, Joey, I'll say from a blues mm-hmm. perspective, uh, hopefully you're saying the same thing about the St. Louis Blues here. <laughs> uh,
0: about finally winning the cup. Uh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. about winning the cup and then uh maybe oh, in like, yeah. you know, 5 mm-hmm. years, oh god, I wish the Blues oh, were I... winning Stanley Cups. <laughs> oh, I see what
0: you mean. Yeah, we're going to we're going to win so much, we're going to say I'm tired of winning, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Oh, I may, maybe, I mean, you never know the way they're going with uh, Jordan Bennington. That's, that's the difference maker. If, if you ask me in a lot of ways, I mean, you had a lot of those other talented guys, but who Bennington. And of course, Baruby helped a lot too. I would have to say.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Baruby was a big part of it. And, and Jordan Bennington is, was just out of this world. It was unreal mm. to watch a rookie uh, do what he did. And, and we talked about it on this show. Uh, throughout the whole second half of the season, it's just when is this guy going to fall back down to earth? And felt like he never really did. I mean this this is Jordan Binnington, and it was just uh, watching kind of a, a a storybook career open and unfold right before our mm-hmm. eyes. It was uh, it was fun to watch.
0: Yeah, pretty amazing. A, a rookie goalie like maybe like Patrick Waugh back in '86, getting his first cup as a rookie. I mean that's just a remarkable story and. It's like, yeah, sure, he'd have a little icky game here and there, but there was always the recovery after that. That was the big difference, like Game Seven. Just that's that's what it was all about, right there.
1: Yeah, I want to say I I don't have the numbers in front of me. I want to say he was thirteen and two after losses. Mm. Uh, that it's wow. just unreal. I mean, wow. you 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 mm. beg for that from your goalie and mm. uh, the mm. Blues. Blues have had a long history of rough goalies and and just a a. a, a just a, a terrible history of goaltending. Not saying the goalies were bad, just it seemed like guys didn't stick around. And um, when the the good goalie was here, it just the team in front of him wasn't that good. So it mm-hmm. was uh, it was nice to see it all finally come together, and then see a guy who could stand on his head after a loss and uh, uh, play out of his mind. So yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty elite company when you talk about uh, being in the same. Same room as as Patrick Waugh and Cam Ward and and all those guys that uh, uh, were impressive their rookie seasons.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I envy you so much. <laughs> every time it's a, yeah. Every time we think we've got some kind of magic going, here come the Blackhawks, or here <laughs> come God knows what, or here comes Jake Allen in the first round in 2017. After yeah. we beaten them in 2015, like oh, it's not going to be too hard, and then this this time we're the number two seed in all of hockey we got this and then okay 52 shots later right <laughs> first uh, yep. i'm jumping ahead sorry yeah
1: oh that was uh <laughs> man i tell you we still talk about that performance by jake <laughs> allen people here um you know whenever uh whenever bennington would have a rough game and okay there'd be some oh, questions yeah. obviously like every fan base do you put jake allen in for a game and that was the that was always the follow-up well Remember how we played in 2017 against Minnesota? He looked lights out. He could do that again. And it's okay, that was that was one series. He played really mm-hmm. well and uh unfortunately it was against your team.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, we were the ones that had to just stare and like 52 shots and we couldn't we just we we got one goal, right? 2-2 two, two to 1 I think it was.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. It's like it's <laughs> the minute that happened when I saw St. Louis score and off they go with the game one win, I was like, this series is over. <laughs> it's like you just know because mentally they're gonna be fried, at least in the in, in the wild case, of course.
1: Yeah, I know, and that's that's how I think blues fans felt in twenty fifteen after uh the uh the I think the uh it was a three three two, three, yeah, three two series lead for Minnesota going back to
0: mm-hmm. Minnesota.
1: I remember blues fans just OK, that's it. There's like, OK, what chance do they have to win in Minnesota? Zero. Mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. answer around the town because uh, they just they were a team then. And it's funny to see the obviously the the change now, the the uh, the way that they are able to bounce back after losses. But back then, if their backs mm-hmm. were against the wall, it was, yeah, they're done. There's no way they win this game. And it uh, sounds like you you it sounds like Minnesota fans can relate to that.
0: In in a big way, especially the last couple series here, it's been terrible. Like Winnipeg was,
1: oof, you know,
0: just the last that was just last year. It feels like three years ago. Just you know, you knew you knew going in we're pretty much toast. And then three games later, it's like yeah, we really are toast. Just get, <laughs> series like that. Obviously, Chicago especially, we we feel all great. Wow, we we got past the first round again. You know, Dubnik's doing so well. This was after the twenty fifteen series. And it was like just a few minutes in, it's three nothing, and it's like that's that's shades of Game Four against Pittsburgh, I believe, in '91. It was like three nothing before you even blink. Oh,
1: <laughs> oh boy, yep, yeah. No, I, the Blues fans can relate to uh, the Stripes with the Blackhawks. I mean they they got over the hump in 2016 and beat them, and then uh, hmm. obviously the next year was the last time the Blackhawks were in the playoffs up to now. And uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, the Blues winning that in 2016, it was hey. Maybe they can actually hang with the Blackhawks now, and uh, the Wild's time will come. I think if the Wild and Blackhawks make it into the playoffs, I'm uh, next year. I'm taking the Wild. Uh, so, so we'll see. Hopefully,
0: I, I hope so. I'm just praying.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's been some. Uh, it was a rough year for uh for the Wild. I know there were some injuries and some trades that uh, were probably disheartening mm. to a certain extent. Um, uh, mm. but uh, but man, that was uh. Some of those teams that this team's had. I mean, you look at uh, the 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 year with Devin Dubnik when he first came in. I think it was uh, the talk around the league was this team could go places. What was the feeling like in Minnesota that year?
0: It felt like magic. And it's like this is really, really something. We finally got a goalie. we struggled with Darcy Kemper. Uh, Bruce Golov had that little run. Uh, that was against Colorado the year before. Yeah, when we beat Colorado fortunately, for the second time game seven on the road. That was pretty wild, uh, literally. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and then you <laughs> you have, just have this conundrum of goalies, like Nick Backstrom had this nice run for the longest time, but he just kept getting more and more banged up. And all those injuries he'd had, it just took its toll on him. Uh, Josh Harding, now he he f- took forever. He's one of those goalies who's in your system for like eight years. He finally makes it. And it's like, He's just okay. And then we'd always put him in against Detroit when they were super good. They'd get 40 shots on net, and we'd lose one nothing. You know, it's like mm. really he, – he plays so well, and we still lose because we don't score at all. And then two, three years later, he was outstanding. And then he gets well, – what was it, uh, MS?
1: Yeah. I think yep.
0: that was what it was. Yeah, and then and then that's it. It's like, ugh, he looked like, a, like an Olympic goalie. And then next thing you know, that was all she wrote because of the – the MS.
1: Mm, That's tough. Yeah. I was always a big fan of his. I thought uh, that's a guy that uh, was going to step in after Backstrom was going to finally call it a career. And it was going to be all the Josh Harding show in Minnesota. That's a real shame. Let me ask you uh, Mm -hmm. an interesting question that blues fans like to have about their team. And and I wonder if this is something that's come up with the wild, even though it's, uh, it's been a, you know, a shorter, a shorter stint in the NHL for the wild and the blues. Uh, Mm -hmm. Who's he, in your opinion, who is the greatest Minnesota Wild goalie uh in in the franchise's history? I have to
0: go with Dubnik now because he's he's hung around and he's been consistent. It was backstrom. It it, it really was. His numbers were outstanding and he always struggled mightily in the shootouts cuz that took over after the lockout 2006, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and then when they changed the logo and everything. Which yeah, I I don't miss ties. Those used to make me sick. That's- but uh Obviously, shootouts. There's a cheap factor to that. You could have like the thirteenth forward be like the hero. It's like, yay!
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Marie Malik annoying.
1: for the Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And then there was Eric, Eric Christensen, who's like like oh. a legend in shootouts. And like, wait, who's Eric Christensen again? <laughs> yeah, oh, substitute teacher.
1: You know, yeah, somewhere. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, for me, it's not that's uh mm-hmm. that's a solid choice. I think I, I know that, uh, you know, people say that, uh, you know, he might, uh, his best days might be behind him. What do you think? You think he can still pull out a long Stanley cup run, or uh, you think he'll still have a good next couple of years in Minnesota.
0: I kind of don't think I, oh, I'm bouncing back and forth on this. Cause he, Oh man, he, he actually was really good against Winnipeg. And then Chicago just owned him. It was mm. unbelievable. And then, The Blues series, just Jake Allen was so good, it was almost hard to even say. And then by the time that series got to, what, 3-1 to in favor of St. Louis after the Wild finally got one win in that series, 2015, or 17, pardon me. Then all of a sudden he did give up a couple of gaffes in that game. The Wild had to make their little miraculous comeback that, of course, fell short. Uh, I'm kind of questioning. He doesn't seem to have sustained runs. Only, like, here and there... And that was like when the wild first got him, he was just like historically good and I remember the thought that kept coming in my head, and local media has always got the when's the next shoe gonna drop because you know you know you know Minnesota sports can be or any any town like might have a a team that's had good runs that always end sadly one way or another right uh, it's like why couldn't this just magically be you know like April may, June? You know yeah. when, when Dubnyk went through that run, but of course that was like you know February, whatever. Yeah, so, January. Yeah, I, I don't of, really, uh, like I don't April. that guy. Yeah, yeah, that was really something. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I don't think he has the sustained ability to go through a long playoff run. Mm.
1: I, I think he did. It. You think he maybe would have back then, and just uh, over time, he's just kind of past his prime.
0: I think so. Like slightly, slightly past his prime, but. Hopefully there's some kind of miracle coming. I, I think if the Wild do go on that you know, St. Louis Blues 2019 run, it would be somebody young, like uh, uh, Matt Robson. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be him. He was a gopher goalie just last year, Minnesota gopher, uh, University of Minnesota, or some other, Kapu, Ka, Kapu Kakinen, that's how we say it, from, uh, also from Finland. Like He would be uh, some kind of a miracle rookie like uh, Bennington. That might be what it's going to take.
1: Capo Coconin Now I'm rooting for him to yeah. make the NHL because that is a hell of a name.
0: It, isn't it cool?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it kept being like mm-hmm. Oh, go
0: ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. It it kept going back and forth. Like I always thought it was Capo Ka- uh. Well, no, I'm going crazy. Capo Ka- <laughs> Kakanen. Uh, oh my Kakan uh, and then they switched it over to the opposite, Capo Kakanen. So I guess it's ah. Kakanen now.
1: It's okay. confusing,
0: but I guess that's what it is.
1: Oh. By the time this episode airs, it's going to be like Jim Thomas. <laughs> yes, Yep. or Scott Pellerin. No, I'm <laughs> Scott Pellerin. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's funny that you uh, – obviously, you mentioned Scott Pellerin for a reason. Blues fans remember him very well. Um, mm-hmm. That was uh, one of the players taken, so that was the same year as the Atlanta Thrashers came into the league, correct?
0: Uh, right after, because I remember that right whole – yeah, it was the whole like Nashville ninety-eight, Atlanta ninety-nine, and then Minnesota Columbus in two thousand. Columbus, that's who
1: it was that came in the same same year, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh that was an interesting expansion draft because um basically teams were exposed to both teams and you could select two players from a team, but that means that like Columbus couldn't get a player from the blues. So the uh the wild ended up taking mm-hmm. two blues players and Jim McLennan, uh the goalie and Scott Pellerin in the expansion draft. Uh, McLennan, uh, it kind of felt like maybe he was going to be the starter there. There was some talk. I remember that year that is McLennan leaving the Blues to be a starter for the new expansion team. He kind of ended up being the 1B starter with uh, Manny Fernandez, another uh, pretty solid goalie in Minnesota history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but McLennan unfortunately, just a, a rough first year, as all expansion teams have, unless your name is the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he went mm-hmm. five twenty three and nine, but really his numbers I thought were impressive despite only having five wins, a nine oh five save percentage, and a two point six four GAA. He ended up moving on the next year, but uh, I'm sure that there's going to be a statue erected one day a Jamie McLennan right outside of uh, Minnesota's home arena.
0: Yeah, that's totally Center. <laughs> <started>. Yeah, maybe <laughs> no. If it, yeah, with the the goalie. Yeah, like I was like the goalie's history has been so up and down. I won't say we've struggled that bad, but he's still yeah, I mean he's he did start the first game, didn't he? Yes, against uh Anaheim mighty ducks as they were still called, mm-hmm. <laughs> I' don't, people like to go back and forth, I still like mighty ducks, I guess, even though we don't want them to be very mighty, but uh, <laughs> but, uh McClendon was kind of inconsistent, but then when he was good, he was really solid he he really yeah, was but. Yeah.
1: That's how he was in St. Louis too. It was uh he mm-hmm. you know there'd be games where he'd go on a tear, it'd be 3-4 games and it's okay, McLendon's going to challenge, you know, Grant Fior, Roman Turek, whoever it was mm. for the starting job, but then he would fall mm. for two or three games and it's just he was a very inconsistent guy.
0: Yeah, he he'd have these gaffes. Uh like five, six goals. I remember the first ever wild win against Philadelphia, I think it was. If I remember correctly. Uh, the Wild finally started scoring goals because <laughs> that was obviously you know the expansion team, and certain guys like West Wall started finding the back of the net. McLennan led in some weird stuff, like the puck is just rolling, he's just kind of moving his stick back to get it in position, and the puck somehow found its way behind the stick, and, <laughs> and it went in as he was bringing the stick in. It's like, huh? That's all. <laughs> that was well, we got our first win, but it was an ugly six to five win. I can't believe I still remember, actually, but I suppose I should because it's our first ever win.
1: I wish I could remember the Blues' first win, but I was not around yet. So <laughs> yeah, that's the
0: good old days, the late '60s, right? <laughs> that's
1: right, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So you mentioned you mentioned that first year that the Wild had trouble scoring, but uh, Scott mm-hmm. Pellerin, you mentioned him, and I'll admit, when I was looking up uh, stuff for us to talk about on this episode, I had no idea that he was the leading scorer for the for the uh Minnesota Wild in their first year. Thirty-nine points in his first season. He didn't even play the whole year there. He ended up getting traded to Carolina uh toward mm-hmm. the end of the season. So he ends up uh being the leading scorer. Again, I'm sure there's gonna be another statue outside the XL Energy Center.
0: There there should be. He was quite the hero <laughs> that year and I loved him. I loved him. And it was so sad because he went on to was a Dallas the next year or two and it was like eight points in 70 games. it was like, ah, oh, that, that was sad. I was like, he did so well here, and now he's just buried again. But I liked him. I liked him a lot.
1: Yeah, he came back a couple of years later for the Blues, and, and I remember people oh, being yeah. excited. Oh, they got Pellerin back because he was on the Blues' top line with, um, I believe it was Terjan and Young uh, before the Wild took him. And, you know, so he came back here. And, and uh, you know, I remember people, it's like people on the radio saying, don't get too excited. He's not the same player. And, uh, he was not, I mean, he wasn't, uh, he was never like a prolific scorer, but he was a guy that, you know, you could rely on for 40 to 50 points if you needed it. And, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he kind of fell off quick there, but I guess we kind of, we kind of see that in the NHL, uh, as, as guys age and move teams.
0: Yeah, for sure. And guys just, you know, like, as they say, they age that father times undefeated all that. And, guys kind of lose favor. They they lose favor. And next thing you know, they're at the end of the bench or in the press box,
1: I guess, or should I say bottom of the the, the, the fourth line, barely getting in the game. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so moving forward with some of this history, we've talked a little bit already about the 2015 and 2017 playoff matchups. Um, Mm -hmm. one of the things I wanted to ask you about, so you, you know, you've mentioned, and I'm sure a lot of Minnesota fans, uh, recall the, uh, The Jake Allen in 2017, the guy that posted a 956 save percentage, um, only allowed eight goals in the series in a five-game win. I mean, he was phenomenal, and that was when Blues fans really started thinking, okay, this is the guy. This is the franchise goalie that we've been looking for, and uh, obviously things have changed since then. But um, when you see that Jake Allen and you think back to 2015, um, not that Allen was terrible, but um, back then, there was a lot of talk of, you got to play Elliott. Play Elliott because Allen is not the guy. Um, and he started okay, but then as the series went on, it, I, to me, he started to look a little tired. Um, so you mentioned that when the 2017 playoffs came around, uh, Minnesota fans were saying, hey, we already beat these guys. We've just got to beat them again. Um, mm-hmm. But then Jake yeah. Allen stands on his head. I mean, what, what was that like? as a fan of, the, of, of your team, the Minnesota Wild, to see basically two different goalies in net, although it's the same guy, just uh, two years apart?
0: Part of us was almost like that, figures. But, you know, like uh, John Sebastian Jaguar, the playoff run back in 03, it was similar like that where the game went on forever. Nothing, and I mean nothing went in no matter how many chances we had, good or bad nothing went in and it's just like a miraculous stops. Like the stick comes in at the last second or whatever it was like with to but it kind of like it, it figured, but at the same time, it's like, are you been kidding me? And of course a certain head coach who, well, I mean, a, a guy who might be underrated a bit cause he always seems to find a way to get out of the first round a bit, a certain head coach who beat the blues as the wild coach and then beat the wild as the blues coach, which is really <laughs> funny in that two year, uh, two to three year span there hilarious when you think about that um the thought process was like again like you got to be bleeping kidding me it's by far the best wild team of all time we have this coach who was established his game seven history is well noted as well unfortunately though he has won one i believe one or two game sevens bruce boudreau of course uh but it 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 literally was just kind of like that's minnesota for you like we finally have Home ice advantage. I mean, the Blackhawks just got beat by Nashville. That was insane. We have the home ice advantage throughout the playoffs all the way to the cup, and we, we're not going to win anything here. That right. was a very depressing feeling.
1: Yeah, I bet. Um, no, that's, I mean, that's how it's been for Blues fans, too. We've seen uh, mm. some pretty insane goalie performances, uh, defensive performances. I mean, over the years, the Detroit Red Wings sure handed the Blues a lot of. Uh, uh trouble mm. in in the playoffs and um you know don't even want to talk about certain mm. plays that seem to come up on this show every time uh mm. <laughs> including steve eiserman um yeah. but yeah. Uh, <laughs> um so let me ask you and, and this is uh i don't know maybe the wild have been around long enough to have a moment like this and and if you feel like it's there's a north stars moment that relates for the blues and, and it's come a little easier now since the blues are, uh, are the defending Stanley cup champions now. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's one play that blues fans always point to and say, that was the dagger. That was the, the, the the goal that made me say the blues will never win the cup. Uh, Mm -hmm. Steve Iserman, that, that goal in 96, that, that always stands out as one of the toughest moments in blues history. Is there a moment like that in Minnesota hockey history?
0: Um, I would say definitely the uh, well, going all the way back to the North Stars, the eight-nothing game. I would say, uh, a goal like that for the Minnesota Wild, probably, probably that stanchion from Patrick, Hay, the, they call it Stanchion Gate, game six in XL Energy Center, uh, game six, XL Energy Center back in 2014, I guess. It was just Super devastating, the way the puck bounced off the stanchion and somehow found its way to Patrick Kane, of all people. That one is very memorable to, uh, for a lot of us here because that was the series where it looked like the Wild just maybe might get past the Chicago Blackhawks, and who knows after that. Uh, to me, that, that's got to be the one out of all the others because I can't think of anything super devastating other than i guess the game winner in, <laughs> in uh the game winner in game one in the 2017 there
1: oh yeah that was um uh that's magnus pay cool. mm.
0: right right yeah, i believe so
1: oh, i actually <laughs> just looked up i looked up your stanchion gate reference that's not something mm. i was really familiar with and now that yeah. i read oh. the story about patrick kane's gold yeah i remember that oh that's mm-hmm. tough
0: <laughs> that was really tough yeah that's definitely part of minnesota hockey lore right now in this town and it's uh the old chicago owns minnesota i mean we're oh four three i guess so them in the postseason yeah and we've we've won three games all time against them three in three series total so wow, that's uh,
1: tough.
0: it's got that minnesota twins new york yankees vibe too similar oh, oh
1: that's <laughs> tough. bad mm-hmm. when you compare it to that that's that's an issue <laughs>
0: it's really bad oh it's bad even in the regular season like right when you think okay the wild are on a run they might get back in the playoffs and then or you know playoff uh, position last year and then the blackhawks who are way below us just started you know stomping us as if it was the you know 2015 second round again
1: mm. Those blackhawks. <laughs> god i yeah, yeah we uh i remember the blues played them in in 2014 and um, that was the year the Blues had gotten Ryan Miller. And uh, the belief was that, you know, this was the team. This was the one that was going to do it. And uh, Blues got a 2 nothing lead in that series and ended up losing uh, the next four. Uh, just an absolutely devastating loss. And the fact that it was to the Blackhawks just uh, hurt even worse. So, I, again, I know uh, uh, probably every team in the Central Division, I except I don't think, has Dallas, I don't think Dallas has ever faced them in the playoffs since the Blackhawks have gotten the good. The Blackhawks? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe not.
0: Obviously, the North Stars when they were the North Stars. But yep. Yeah, not the, I don't think they did, actually.
1: No, because well, it I've, seemed like
0: they, yeah, they were pretty uh, pretty lousy for a while.
1: Yeah, I, I, like, I would think that most central teams have uh, stories of why they hate the Blackhawks. Um hmm I know that uh, there's a lot of conversation with uh, the LA Kings that, uh, you know, back in, they were going back and forth there in the uh, uh, mid 2000s, yeah. the 2012, 20 to 2012 to about 2015. It was always the Blackhawks and Kings going at it in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of hate for the Blackhawks. Maybe, maybe it's died down a little bit since they haven't made the playoffs the last couple of years. And even before that, the Predators were able to sweep them out in the first round. But, um, yeah, it's, it's funny. I talked to, uh, I mentioned at the top of the, the interview here that, um, you know, something we can agree on the Blackhawks suck. Um, yep. <laughs> what, one of my favorite conversations I ever had was, um, I went to a, a game in Nashville. Um, then the blues just beaten the predators. I mean, it was a, it was, they walloped them. It was about six, one, six, two, something like that. And I was in a, in a bar there and right off Broadway, and um after the game and, and this Predators family were a cool guy, but he was just kind of, you know, giving me trouble. Oh, yeah, we've we've been further in the playoffs than you have. And, wow. you know, we were kind of going back and forth. And that's the one thing I said to him. I go, hey, you know what, man, we can sit here all day and make fun of each other's teams. But I think we can both agree that the Blackhawks suck. And he oh. just... He laughed and he goes, let me get you a drink. And all of a sudden we were best friends.
0: <laughs> yeah, see, that's what it is. We can all unite against Chicago. That's, that's, really right. that's right.
1: That's right. I like that.
0: We can all unite.
1: <laughs> that's right. Um, so, uh, all right, Joey. So I want to talk to you. You mentioned earlier uh, the coach who uh, beat the Blues with the Wild mm-hmm. and then beat the Wild mm-hmm. with the Blues, uh, Mike yeah. Yo. That's a guy that I'd love to talk to about or talk about with you. Um his history here in St. Louis was not very fondly remembered. Um, you know, you look at uh, when he got hired as the associate coach under Ken Hitchcock, there was a lot of people that uh, kind of raised their eyebrows at that. Said so, mm-hmm. that guy they got fired in Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, he there was a lot of questionable moves he made when he was here. Uh, so then, obviously, 2018, 2019, um, there was uh, you know he he coached this team. To last place, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. And they let him go, and all of a sudden, they're Stanley Cup champions. So he mm-hmm. is a much maligned coach here in St. Louis. What's his legacy like in Minnesota?
0: It was definitely that of – it was definitely polarizing, a lot of up and down. His personality, especially early on, it seemed like he got rattled by a lot of things. And then even that that Devin Dubnik year, a guy that just – it seemed like he would – the veterans could kind of do whatever they want, and the young guys got the, uh, the you know the tough, the uh, the tough big brother treatment, you know, like wake the f up, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, but the veterans, you know, that suitor guy, he can play thirty minutes a game because he's stronger than me. He's 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 the real owner of the team, basically. So that's kind of what we felt about Mike Yo around here is he couldn't really control the veterans like a certain coach of St. Louis that replaced him, uh, who did a very good job of. Um, that seemed to be the issue. He couldn't control the veterans. The young guys got definitely got the much stiffer treatment. And up and down, I mean, I, I thought he did very well in those first-round playoff series, against, especially against Colorado when the Wild were rattled after some not-so-favorable not calls in Game 5 against Colorado that year, which put us down three games to two. So it's like a mixed review, but grand scheme of things, a lot of people here just saw him as not the right guy. And then now, at the same time, there's certain veterans that are still on this roster that are signed for a very very long time that seem to have way too much power and it looks more like it's the the evil veterans so to speak we will say on this team that are that were almost more the bad guy than mike yo
1: yeah that's uh yeah I mean it was the same thing here. I remember when he was hired uh there was a I um, i believe it was the uh uh it might have been the let's go Blues.com forums that uh we have on for our show um i could i could be wrong but there was a couple wild fans that had jumped into a blues forum and were like hey just want to let you guys know good luck veterans are going to run this team young guys are going to get sat and and it was just kind of like oh we're already dealing with that with ken hitchcock um and then yeah you saw it when when mike yo took over um you started seeing you know the the alexander steen and the jay bowmeister is just uh getting minutes no matter what. I mean, it was obvious, and and Meester is probably the best example. Uh, Bo Meester was hurt and should, honestly, and I think he would even tell you now, probably should not have been playing. And he was still getting rolled out there 29 minutes, 28 minutes a game. And it was just, <sighs> he was clearly not the same player that the Blues had acquired a couple of years earlier, but he kept going out there because he was the veteran. And uh, certain players like Vince Dunn, uh just continued to be sat in the press box when it was clear he was one of the better puck moving defensemen. And um and I remember even uh somebody on Twitter I posted something about uh you know why why is Vince Dunn not in and a wild fan responded and said, Yeah, uh, I told you so. You know, it was it's yeah, just dude. that's that's the legacy of of Mike Yo. And um and like you said, the guy who replaced him Craig Baruby he started playing the guys who needed to be played, the guys who earned the minutes, the guys who who you could rely on in big game situations, and whether they were a rookie or they were a, a, a ten year vet. Um, and that was something I think that that definitely is missing in Mike Yo. Uh, what have you seen in the difference in the wild um, since Yo left and since um, uh, Bruce Boudreau has taken over? Have you noticed a, a big shift in in uh, the veteran versus rookie presence?
0: Early on, absolutely, where he wasn't afraid to call out, of course, him being Bruce Boudreaux, uh, wasn't af- afraid to call out anybody, to the, you know, at, at times after games and such, like, hey, you know, this this needs to be better, this and that, and this guy, you know, he's not he's not running the team, you know, that this is a team, not just all about this guy or this guy, but uh, it seems like it's kind of shifting over a bit. Like, it seems like Suter's, I swear this guy's running the team secretly. I swear. Because I, 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 there, there's a little country club thing going on where the, the, uh, former, <laughs> the uh, former owner of the Nashville Predators owns the Minnesota Wild. That's Craig Leopold. Mm-hmm. And Paul Fenton came from the Nashville Predators. And, of course, Ryan Suter came from the Nashville Predators. It just reeks of like a, a country club with those three right now. Um, I, I, still think Boudreaux is a superior coach without a doubt, but it, I, it's like, it's almost like there's just, again, guys like Ryan Suter have too much power because they're, he's, he's very close to the, to the owner. I can just sense that. I think a lot of the local media has sensed that for a while. Like one of the, the big shots in this town is Michael Russo. He talks kind of, kind of leaves hints like that, you know, here and there and then other, uh, bloggers and, uh, of course, you know, like media members like that write for paper, you know, beat beat writers and such and kind of hinting that that suitor is way too much power in the locker room, regardless, even, you know, re- regardless who's the coach. We we could sure use a Baruby right now, I think.
1: Yeah, the good old Chief. Chief uh, really seemed to get these players in line. And that's how it was before he came on board. I think that there was a lot of talk of, oh, well, you know, Alexander Steen is – causing issues because he wants to be captain and there's a steam crew and a Petrangelo crew. And yeah, that could have all been completely fabricated. And I honestly believe it was, Um, but then a minute Barubi takes over those, those are gone. You don't hear those rumors anymore. And all of a sudden, what do you know? The team starts winning. So um, it's, it's amazing how a coach can command a locker room and um, how it's, how much you know you think about these guys as adults you know and there's a lot of times where you know a team doesn't look motivated for a game and and people get mad and say oh well obviously the coach is not motivating them well to me they're grown ass men they should be motivating themselves for a tuesday game in november um it's a coach's job to to kind of keep the chemistry together and mm-hmm. uh but it's funny cuz you look at it and it's you know like you said you see a Mike, Yo, know, you see the issues like that Then you see a guy like Craig Berube or, uh, you know, any other big coach, Joel Quinville, and Mm. you don't hear about those locker room issues when those guys are at the helm. So, obviously, they're doing something right.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. You need the right coach. You need a a powerful coach that can keep things in order, and that's how teams become most successful. And it does seem to be guys that are a little bit – I guess you could say a little bit older. Some of these younger coaches don't seem to have it, I don't think. I, that's that's something I'm I'm afraid of. I've noticed that with the Wild, they hired young coaches back-to-back and then finally went with Boudreaux, who was a bit tougher. But I, I don't know if Boudreaux, he's he's like a chameleon. I don't know. He kind of adjusts to his surroundings, which can be good, of course. But occasionally you have to lay down the hammer. I think he does sometimes, but it's not strong enough where obviously – Quinville did a hell of a job. I mean, three Stanley Cups later, and Baruby, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more than one Stanley Cup. I I really wouldn't
1: I I think Blues fans love hearing that. So, uh, yep, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> you, so, I'm, I'm passing to it on about to St. Louis. Yep. <laughs> You want you want to say it about five or six more times. I'm sure uh, nobody would be offended.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would I would not be surprised if the uh, St. Louis Blues won at least at least one more cup. At least one oh. more. <laughs>
1: That's music to my ears,
0: sir. (laughs) I had to say, it. I wouldn't. I mean, if it's as long as it wasn't, you know, like they say, a a flash in a pandemic thing, which I I don't think it was. I I don't think so.
1: That that was a lot of the talk of, you know, the last season that, you know, January through April. Okay, well, they'll fizzle out in the playoffs like they always do. But the way that they Mm. kept it together and the way they battled back, we talked about the resiliency after losses. Um, I think they proved that yeah, there wasn't just a a flash in the pan season that these guys are the real deal, and uh, if they're playing at the top of their game, they can compete with anybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I mean they they can, and they showed it. And yeah, I mean I was rooting for you guys pretty much all the way. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I've been kind of quiet about it, but because obviously locally, who who knows what people would have thought? But by the time it got to the conference, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, go go Blues.
1: It was interesting to me talking again. I have a couple of friends that are Blackhawks fans and then obviously people on Twitter and Facebook that I've seen. Um, when I realized it was a big deal, not just in St. Louis, but, but all around the league was when I noticed that there were Blackhawks fans rooting for the blues. They were saying, Hey, wow. we want to see you guys do it too. You know, you, we mm-hmm. did it in 2010. We had that moment. Um, we want to see you do it. And it was, uh, it was kind of just this humbling moment for me. And I know my, my co-hosts would agree when they heard stuff like that that it was just wow like the biggest dickhead fans we know they want us to win so Uh that's uh it's it's a humbling thing and it makes you excited now having said that the next time hopefully there's a next time the blues go charging for a cup Uh uh i think that we'll have everyone rooting against us but uh that first one it was pretty memorable pretty nice to have people on our side and i'll tell you what i i I know i can speak for many st louis blues fans we'd be doing the same thing for the minnesota wild uh there's obviously a central division rivalry there but it's Mm -hmm. not the predators it's not the blackhawks uh it's not even the jets which the jets aren't even that big of a rival i think that this is more of a friendly rivalry i think there's never Mm -hmm. been any issue between uh uh, blues and and uh, wild fans so i think uh if your team could could pull it together, Bruce Boudreaux could start competing in the playoffs. I yeah. think uh oh. we could we could have you could have a couple of wild fans down here in St. Louis.
0: Oh, that would be wonderful. We're we're more than due. I mean you obviously had the whole North Star situation 81. They got throttled by a dynasty ninety one, kind of another dynasty that was a little shorter lived, but you're going against probably the best player in the world at the time and uh uh, spectacular goal he had in game two of that finals. I mean it's stuff like that, you know it's memorable, but it's it's sad and you're left with that empty feeling. um and it it's amazing how St Louis started out you know the way you guys started out your uh basically your history going to the Cup finals twice. I mean that's kind of cool and then how long it took to get back and so no, I mean I appreciate any any support we can get out of St Louis if the wild finally do want to go on some kind of a run. I can imagine maybe in 2015 you felt the same thing I'm feeling right now. Like, it's never going to happen. It's, you know, just an average whatever. Like, like you might have looked at uh, Jake Allen as not the guy. You might have looked on as, as great as Teresinko is, which is just not good enough, whatever it is. I mean, I'm, that's how I'm feeling right now with Minnesota. So any support we can get and any magical run we can have. Uh I'm I'm dying for it. Uh the the emotion you guys had on your uh, Stanley Cup show, it, I felt it so much uh dating back to 87 when the Minnesota Twins won the World Series for the first time. Unfortunately, I mean I mean I was 8 years old. I remember it, but I was, you know, to me it was exciting and fun as an 8-year-old, but as a as a a, a, a few years older in 91, I felt exactly what you guys described. Like everybody was your best friend. Everybody yep complete strangers. Like the way you described that going into the, the bar or on the street or whatever it was. Hey buddy, you know, here's a, here's some champagne. Here's, <laughs> here's a, a shot on me. I mean, whatever it is, everybody like kids in school. Cause I was, you know, obviously uh, still, still fairly young, not super young, but fairly young. All these kids in school that might not have been the nicest kids in the world. Sometimes ever they were, they were, they were never nice. They're like your best friend that day when your team won the championship, and there's just this euphoria that goes everywhere. And I want to feel that again. It's been 28 years, so
1: yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. I mean that that had to be, and that was something that that my wife was saying to me. And when they made the uh, Stanley Cup final, I remember that night she said, "Well, now they got to win it." And and Cam Jansen came on yeah. our show, and Cam had said, he goes, "Well, this is great. You know, it's great going to the Stanley Cup, and I know this is a big deal for everyone, but." Now you got to finish it. You can't just let this dwindle out. And uh, and and that was something we all felt like, okay, what if, what if, I mean, I know there's a chance that they're going to win, mm-hmm. but what if they lose? And uh, sorry to say, yeah. you witnessed that. You mm-hmm. had all the highs of the 91 team, and then you go mm-hmm. in against the hot Pittsburgh Penguins, and you lose that, the, the North Stars do. Um, how did that, how, did, mm-hmm. how was that roller coaster? I mean, what did that feel like? Uh, just witnessing them lose in the Stanley Cup final.
0: It it literally it went from this emotional high, like oh my god, there it's the perfect formula. You beat the best team in the league, you beat the second best team in the league, and I, I apologize for that one again, uh, the '91. <laughs> but it's, it's it's long enough ago, I suppose.
1: Yeah, so no maybe, apology needed.
0: Yeah, you no. Know, maybe Mr. Blue, you know, Mr. Mr. Blue was a part of that team. That's Brett Hall, yeah, <laughs> the the yep. Golden Jets. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the emotional high of the formula was there. Uh, you had a goalie who was hot. You had a young superstar and now, uh, fi- uh, not financial, but business advisor, Mike Madonna of the minister of the wild, which sounds crazy right now. It's, it's cool. <laughs> but hopefully he's head of hockey operations one of these days. It could end the country club. But uh, no, that run was amazing. You had good defensemen. You had this, you had that. There's one trade that happened during that season that I'm still bitter about, like 30, almost 30 years later. Hall of Famer Larry Murphy for somebody named Jim Johnson. I, I don't know. And Larry Murphy was, of course, number 55 of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that one really hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, the emotional run, and I'm going all over the place because there are so many things to talk about with that that, that playoff run. Uh, you go against the defending Stanley Cup champions, former Dynasty, Edmonton Oilers. Of course, no more Greski, but they won without Greski the year before. Mm-hmm. You beat them in just five games. It's just unbelievable. And then, of course, you're going against the best team. Your emotions are high. You win game one again. It's like, okay, that's exactly what we did in all the previous series. Regardless, if we can beat the Blackhawks and the Blues, I think we can beat this team with this cute little logo. And. Game two was what it was. It's like, yeah, we always win game one, always lose game two. But then when you win game three, regardless if Lemieux was out with a uh, back pain or whatever, oh my God, we are going to win. we're up two to one, just like every other series. Now we just win game four, and maybe we'll close it out in, the, in game six. And of course, the, the bottom went out of the rink after that. And you go from extreme euphoria, extreme hope, high hopes, to just that quiet, just staring at the TV and not saying a word for you know night in night out like hopefully okay they'll come back yeah they, yeah they're coming back but then they would fall short and lose and then game 6 was the ultimate like uh Viking Super Bowl type of game like eight eight nothing so <laughs> that was brutal yeah that was brutal and it was in you know Met Center of course I wasn't there but yeah eight nothing
1: <laughs> did you uh did you watch the whole game or did you turn it off
0: I uh, I kind of walked away and came back and walked away and came back and that type of thing.
1: Mm, that's rough. <laughs> kind
0: yeah, of I, it on, but didn't. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm. I mean, when, when I mean, obviously the Blues ended up being victorious, luckily. But man, when the uh, oh. when they went down in the series, one nothing, and then again two one, especially the two one when they lost in Game Three and got kind wow. of shelled by the Bruins. Uh, there was a lot of people here in St. Louis that were saying, "Yeah, this is it." They're done. This is it. And it's it, mm-hmm. that feeling of, you know, Hey guys, just a week ago, we were happy to be here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it was just the, the greatest feeling in the world. And now everybody's gonna, uh, it, it's just, we, we talk about that on this show a lot. The, the, the phases fans go through throughout the playoffs, you know, one, one, you win a game and it's, Oh my God, we're going to win the Stanley cup. And then uh-huh. you, you lose the next game and it's all, oh, they're going to lose the next four. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's it's crazy that feeling you have, and that's part of the reason we love it. And you know, obviously, it's easy to say that when your team comes out on top. And but I'm sure that even you, even losing the North Stars, losing to the, the Penguins, and as bad as that eight nothing defeat was, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a memory you're going to have the rest of your life because it's just yeah. such mm-hmm. a it's just such a a crazy moment in your life to to go through all those emotions in just a couple weeks.
0: It it is, and it 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 does stay forever. It stays forever. Uh, Mike Madonna even mentioned when he was coming on the air, like local radio, about how it still haunts him because they were winning, and it just just like they literally became as uh, Stuart Gavin said in one of the uh, the old videos. uh, He's one of our he was our uh, one of our you know gritty kind of players, like fourth line type of guy. Uh, he said, basically, they were the reciprocal of the teams they played in the previous rounds, where they were getting frustrated, they were taking penalties and all that, rather than the other teams were uh, against the North Stars. So it uh, it still haunts them to this day. Like you, you feel so good, and then it just goes, it just goes away in three games like that.
1: Uh, who was your favorite North Star
0: at the time? Uh, oh, I, I I have to go with Brian Bellows. Oh, I, I really I was a fan that of guy. Hits. Yeah, he was really something. I he he just found a way to score, like by the bottom of the net, regardless or bottom of the net, back of the net. I'm going to the wrong sport here, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's uh, something quite different. But um, no, it was uh, he would just find a way to score, whether it was a pretty goal or you know just close up to the, you know right in front of the goalie, whatever it was. Those 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 juicy those juicy gritty goals one way or another he'd find a way but he just had that ability and way back you know before my time he he even had a 50 goal season in the early 80s he was a really dynamic player back in the day
1: um so i would say my favorite north star of all time has got to be basil McRae. oh
0: yeah yep yep and I, yeah and he went to the blues later yeah very yep.
1: physical guy physical yep. guy i was a big fan of his, especially his cameo in mighty ducks yep yeah that
0: was cool <laughs> How how did he say that again? He said, uh, hey, Ducks, listen to this guy. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) I I love that.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's great. Um, I I, I have one more question. I have one more question for you, uh, Joey. I wanted to ask you about um, a player that played for both of our teams, a guy that um, he was only there for two years for the uh, the Wild, but he's a guy that, uh, again, people here in St. Louis just absolutely love. That's Pavel Dimitra, um, uh-huh. obviously uh-huh. one of the one of the greatest goal scorers in all time in, in Blues history. But only spent two years with the Wild, but still had 118 goals and 130 and 100. I'm sorry, 118 points, points and yeah. 139 <laughs> games. Um, so two years with them. What, what was? Uh, be, uh, was he, was he a fan favorite when he came there? Was he, uh, what it was kind of like, Oh my God, this is that former blue guy that used to kill us. What was, uh, Mm -hmm. what was he received in, in, uh, in Minnesota?
0: Well, that first area was like, he's the perfect compliment to Marion Gabrick. And you know, man, what a dynamic player he was when he wasn't hurt. Dinah Gabrick. Um, it was the perfect combination. I mean, when they played together, it was like, oh, my. It was very electrifying. It was extremely exciting. The Wild had a great uh, – what appeared to be a potentially great team that could go on a on a, on a major run. Um, and then the next year, you got banged up a little bit and you started seeing more flaws. It's It's always like that as time goes on. You see more and more flaws. Like his defense wasn't that – you know, he's just more of an offensive type of a center. Didn't play much of a defensive game. Got beat up a bit, but – Still obviously a very dynamic talent
1: and I it was extremely exciting when the wild made that move. Yeah. No, I we, we were we're all yeah. big fans here in St. Louis of him. He uh oh yeah he was a he was a guy that um just seemed like he'd get the puck on his stick and he would always make something happen. And um yeah, I remember when he signed with Minnesota, it was it was uh oh no, oh no. Does that mean I have to hate Pablo <laughs> Demetra now? <laughs> yeah, that that must be weird.
0: Yeah, one of your best players over over, over a uh, considerable amount of time winds up on a, a division rival like that.
1: Yep, yep, that was mm-hmm. uh, it was odd, but uh, but no, I was always always a big fan of Pablo. I wanted to get your take on him before we closed up. So, Joey, this was uh, this was great. I had a lot of fun talking mm-hmm. with you. A lot of great history between these two teams, and I think they're destined to uh, to create even more the next couple years. Um, but uh, Joey, I, I brave the wild, the name of your podcast. I wanted to. I'll uh, give you plenty of time here to to plug your show and and obviously to um uh tell our listeners how they can find you, how they can interact with you on social media and where they can find your show.
0: Well, ultimately of course there's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, those are, you know, luckily they mirror each other, so I think like guys uh, as, as you probably already know in any show you put up, they go to both which is great as long as it's uh, the right uh <laughs> the right uh rss feed all that but that's right big of a big of a problem um so yes it's brave the wild uh at brave the wild for twitter for facebook you can pretty much just look it up and if you ever get a a choice between page or group always pick the page otherwise if you want to go by the website itself or the actual like a link or whatever it's facebook.com com forward slash brave the wild dot Minnesota because for some strange reason brave the wilds out there on Facebook I'm not sure what it is but so you have to go dot Minnesota I just say search for it Uh, other than that those are the two uh, uh, social media links I I, I can come up with otherwise yeah you pretty much just find it on uh, Google and uh, Google podcast stitcher and of course Apple podcasts Uh, again I've been doing the show since 2008 so I'm Old school, of course. Yep. This show has been around since uh, 2011, right? So,
1: yeah, so 2011, through, yeah. 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 It's, an yeah, awesome it's funny. Show. Mo- most, most people we talk mm-hmm. to, they're always like, you know, yeah, we have started, you know, two, three, four years ago. And, and so it's always mm-hmm. like we're always the elder statesman in terms of, of the shows that we talk to. You might be the first one I've talked to that started, I mean, three years before us. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a it's been a run. It's had its ups and downs. Uh the early years were small, <laughs> very small numbers in the early years, but it's gradually, very gradually picked up a bit. Maybe just I got a little better, I don't know. Or people finally heard of it. I have no idea, like buried under the forest of podcasts out there and that uh, are, you know, obviously been around for a while but luckily i've been i'm 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 one of the old timers and uh this show i can tell you guys do an awesome job jeff you, you uh you really do and i love the emotion and passion you have for this game
1: oh i really appreciate that yeah i mean we're all guys that we've played the game uh for i mean for as long as i can remember i've played i know kurt and bill are the same um and uh you know just as I've, as you heard the story, my the first time I ever fell in love with hockey was because of Jeff Brown m- meeting me at a venture of all places and uh, mm. giving me tickets to the game. I mean, it's uh, st- it's it's stuff like that, and it's probably you know you talk about the the people involved in this game, the players. How you always hear about how uh, NHL hockey players are just the best athletes there are, the best pro athletes, and um, mm-hmm. I think that's what attracts so many of us to the game is that. Uh, they're relatable guys, and it just makes us want to be around the sport more. So it makes it very easy to be passionate about it. And I can tell you are too. So it's exactly. always fun, no. you know, it's it's funny because we always talk, uh, you know, to, to people in Nashville or, or uh, Chicago, and you know, or, or, I, I always ask them, "Are you from Chicago? Are you from Nashville?" Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I'm from. Okay, well then that's okay. As long as you're from that area, you're allowed yeah. to be a fan of them. Um, mm-hmm but uh no with you it's uh, i can tell you're a passionate minnesota guy you love your minnesota hockey and mm-hmm. um a lot of fun having you on this is uh this has been a great time
0: yeah thank you it's been an absolute pleasure i i'm i'm honored that you that you chose me out of the uh, group of wild uh, shows out there
1: <laughs> yeah there's a couple of you but um but no you mm-hmm. uh, you you came recommended so had to oh, had to go yeah. with the guy. I believe it or not, I actually trust the Teal Town guys. I don't know why. Oh, nice, nice. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> After the Western Conference Finals, right? Yep, that's, that's right. right. Oh, yeah, kid, kid,
1: well, they oh. did send us beer because they lost. So we'll 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 we'll, we'll oh, say some yeah. nice things about them.
0: Oh yeah. Oh, that's cool. So so they they're the ones that that recommended me, huh?
1: Oh yeah. Yep. Oh, yep. That's, they, that's uh, awesome. They're good dudes. They're very good guys. So, uh, uh yes, all uh, right, Joey, no, I, I, no, I think no, this B-Y was uh, Oh, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, mm-hmm. uh, we'll you have know. to have you on when the blues and wild face off again, hopefully in the playoffs pretty soon. Uh, we'll have you on and, and we'll, uh, we'll do this again. I appreciate you coming on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you then.
1: Well, a big thanks goes out to Joey, um, uh, big, long time Minnesota fan. So it was nice getting to not only talk about the wild with him, but the North stars days as well. Uh, we're going to close up the show now. So I want to mention if you want to follow any of us on Twitter uh, from Let's Go Blues Radio, of course follow the show Twitter at LGB Radio. Kirk Price is at Kirk Price. Bill Days at Billy Blue Note, and Jeff Ponder, myself, can be found at J Ponder nine four. And we probably don't say this enough. If uh, you like to find us on Facebook as well, um, I know we we are friends with many of the listeners of the show. So. Uh, Find us on Facebook if you like, and uh, we can definitely be talking some blues. Our next episode will be Monday, July 1st. And as I said, next week there might be a live show at some point, but uh, one of these, the Behind Enemy Line shows, we will have one on July 1st. Jarrett Book of the Habs Eyes on the Prize website, their blog uh, about the Montreal Canadiens, he will be on We talk about a lot of the old days and then um, obviously a couple uh, uh, players that uh, played for both teams and trades and and all that. Yaroslav Holak is is definitely something that's mentioned a lot. So uh, yeah, so stay tuned for that one. That'll be on Monday. And as I said, there may be another show, a live show next week. Not sure about that, but I would imagine if not next week, the week after we'll see what the Blues do in the coming days. So be ready for that. Otherwise, uh, Monday and then Thursday, the 5th, July 5th, we will have an Edmonton Oilers show. So next week it is Canadians and Oilers, an all-Canadian week. Uh, so thank you for listening. That'll do it for this episode. Until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Play Gloria all summer long. Thanks for
0: listening to the Hockey Show Blues Report of the Week. Have a great day.